Hebrews 4, right? Interesting. Why don't we begin with a word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for uh, your word this morning, Lord, that you have given us your word that wakens us and gives us uh, the courage and the endurance and the perseverance uh, to, to stay awake in faith, but also to be comforted along this pilgrimage in the blood of Christ. Bless us, O Lord, in your word, for it is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword that does mark us in the intentions of our heart. Sustain us in this very word and guide us this day. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, so today, yeah, why don't we continue? If you don't have a handout from last week, that's what the handout we're using. If you need one, I have probably three or four extra, so raise your hand. And I will get you one. And I will get you one. Okay, we're good. All right. So, uh, as we concluded last week in Hebrews 4, uh, we, we talked about that rest, right? Now, when we speak of that rest, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Um, similar to today's uh, sermon about sleep and opening our eyes and what it means to be awake, we are awakened or we are awake by the very rest that God has given to us in his word. And that is Jesus, right? That that rest is what wakens us to give us uh, the proper, um, what's the word? Uh, the sustaining gift of his word by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, when, we, when it comes to rest, you guys... Um, I know I'm, I don't want to repeat myself from last week, but I guess I will, because that's what I do. But um, <laughs> um, what is it about rest that is so important? When you're here this morning, trust me, I'll be honest, um, when the winds kick up, I get super, um, what's the word? It just, like my energy just wanes quick. It's like the battery is two times quicker, you know, usually. Uh, but... It's easy to tell myself, man, I'm getting tired and congested and I can't really see that well because it gets a little blurry and my sinuses and whatever. But even in that moment, as we're hearing God's word, there we have our rest. And that is the rest that we need as we uh, walk on this pilgrimage of faith. Because namely, that rest is in the word of God. Now, today, in verse 12 and following, we will talk about what that word means to us. Because uh, what, when we talk about the word simply, um, like I asked, let's say, uh, I would ask people um, in the past, especially the confirmation kids, just throughout all of my ministry, um, why, why do you hear the word? Uh, being in a 12-year-old shoe, not 12-year-old shoe, 12 years. <laughs> My shoes only last like. A shoe of a 12 year old. Uh, what do you think they said? Why? Why? And this might not even just be a 12 year old. This might be a, a 50 or 90 or 100 year old. It just doesn't matter. But what, what, does, what do they say about why do you hear the word? What is it about the word that is so unique compared to, let's say, a lesson about World War 
one or the history or math lesson. What, what's so different about this word? Is there a difference? Yes. Yes. Um, of course. <laughs> I hope, I hope, I'm glad you said that, Marjorie. And welcome back, by the way. But um, <laughs> um, what is it about the word as you hear it? What, what is that push in the morning every Sunday to say, we're going to church to hear the word? What, what is it about that? From a 12-year-old shoe, um, what do you think they said? What do you think they generally say about that question? Oh, that, that's, that's very, that, that would be very nice if they said that oh. immediately. <laughs> but, mom made me. Exactly. Oh, mom made me? You know, it could be dad too, right? <laughs> I know, statistically. Dad, mom, um, head of household made me. Um, but what, what is it particularly about the word that, why is it so important to understand what the word does? Rather than, let's say, someone saying, I'll give you a hint. I, we read about history to learn about history, to learn about history. Is that what the word of God, the preached word of God is all about? To simply learn as if this is history class? What, what is the word of God? Is that what we... It's like a guide. Just a guide. Guide? Good. Oh, green. Um, guide? Good. It points us to the life-giving word that is of eternity in Jesus Christ. Anyone else? Are we still talking like a 12-year-old? <laughs> I don't know. Now we're not, but we were. <laughs> but what would a 12-year-old say? I think it's very important because I think this is generally how the world views, let's say, the word. Uh, even a lot of Christians view the word this way. Uh, yes? So if, it, if it's about learning in history or just about simple information processing or information knowledge gaining, what is, what is the general progression of this for that person? And this is not even a 12-year-old. I, I guarantee there's 30-year-olds that think this way, 40-year-olds. So I don't want to like just <laughs> pick on 12-year-olds, right? This is for everyone. What, what is it about the Word of God that when we hear it, if we hear it just as learning in history or like a factoid moment where we're learning more about Jesus, what will inevitably happen if that's all it is for that person? Not relevant for you. Oh, wow. The, wow. Very, the, the machetes are out. Uh, um, I, yeah, um, but I guess I was thinking more softer. Um, <laughs> Um, more like, uh, well, I already know that. Why do I have to hear about it again? But even people who will make that claim, they ignore history, basically. No, I, I totally agree with you. But on that plane of thought of just this simply being a getting to know Jesus more, well, I already know him, so why do I have to hear it more? I already know that, so I'm good. Now, again, um, that is, uh, I think, the main problem with, 
with the Word of God and how people view it is simply just a, a history lesson or a science class or an English class. I mean, it, it's just a learning moment when, in fact, there is much more going on here. Now, I know uh, you guys gave the pious answers and the faithful answers of, of, of these pious 12-year-olds who know everything by then, uh, who protects, and, they, and trust me, they, they, they surprise me daily. Uh, these young kids, especially in confirmation, how they have the bullseye there, perfect. But they guide, there is eternal life, he protects us. But at the end of the day, uh, what is the word of God? It is the proclaimed word of repentance and forgiveness. As we see in Luke 24, 44 to 47, but also in this word as we preach it, it is all rooted at the end of the day in the words of Jesus and the for you. Now, why do I say Jesus and the for you? Why is that so important? Jesus and the for you. Uh, what is the opposite of this, you guys? If it's not Jesus and the for you, simply in a sermon, uh, you'll see that people talk about Jesus as the, the about. Does that make sense? Like, uh, when we talk about the gospel... When you hear it, it's not just the word Jesus that makes the gospel in a sense, right? It's what Jesus has done as the Son of God that that's the gospel gift, right? So when we talk about, let's say, a sermon that says, well, Jesus did all these things. Now you go do it to emulate or imitate him. Um, That's all fine and dandy in a sense of what we are called to do in Christ Jesus. But again, if there is no for you then this simply becomes, again, very similar to a, not a motivational speaker. It could be a motivational speaker, I guess, but more of a how-to guide on on how to live this life. Now, again, there is a place for that. I'm not telling you there isn't. But as we look at God's word here, what does the for you mean? What does that mean? When, When we say preaching the for you, what's happening there or what does that mean? And Dana, I don't want your answers. <laughs> it's personal. It's not just a general thing that's happening. Okay. So it, it's, it's personal. It's, it's for you. Very good. Well, but it's for each and every, for, for the world, for each and every person in the world. And when you go down to the Jesus about, that leads to the fear of everybody but you. He could never do that for he I'm I'm not worthy. I I he could never forgive me. He it creates the doubt. Is the word of God simply a guide on how to be um well it is a guide on, on God shows us the word to, to also display how we ought to love and serve one another. But is it a simple guide just like every other guide in the world that if we if we all just do these things, then we'll get there? Is that what the word of God is all about? And the answer is no, right? It's it, the, what, the uniqueness of God's word is that it is all centered on the work of the for you in Christ. Now, when we talk about the word of God, that it is living and active, um, you know, why don't we read that? I, I'm just starting to talk. Verse 12, if someone could... <laughs> I talked to my succulents. Anyways, uh, verse 12, verse 12. So could read that for me. Hebrews 4.12, sorry. But the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, 
piercing even to the dividing asunder of stolen spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Okay, so what is happening here with the Word of God when we hear it, when we study it, when we read it? Uh, here in the Word, uh, is it simply, okay, I'm learning about Jesus, and he, he was a good man. He did a lot of faithful things. And now, well, I, I ought to do that as well. You know, the Word right here shows us clearly that it is like, um, I've never been under the knife, but for all you who've ever been under... <coughs> Well, I've had a lot of dental work done, but that's not the knife. Like, I know, implants and root canals and crowns. What else? But I have never got opened up before. But, you know, when we talk about the Word of God, what does the Word actually do when we hear it? What is happening there? Is this just another ho-hum? Oh, man, we, minute 17 here. Is Pastor almost done? It's usually like 14 and a half minutes. Why is it so long today? Like, what, what is happening in the Word when you hear it? As we just read that verse right there, what, what is... It penetrates into your soul and your spirit. Yes, it, it shows us every intention of our being. Um, it enlivens our spirit. It illumines, as we see in the Apostles' Creed, Article 3, the work of the Holy Spirit, that he enlightens, gathers, and calls us by this very gospel, that by that very spirit, uh, there we are, uh, uh, creating, uh, have that faith created in us by that very word as God works. But what we talk about, you know, I like to see the word as kind of like one of these. Anyone? Scalpel. Nice. I thought you were going to say butter knife. But I'll take you. <laughs> It's a scalpel. Now, what does a doctor do with a scalpel? My favorite TV show is uh, one of my... I don't watch a lot of TV, but I love uh, Chicago Med, and I still watch it, but I don't like ER back in the day. Remember ER? Um, what is it about a scalpel that's so important to a physician? What does a scalpel do? It's a clean cut. Yeah, like a clean cut. It opens, it opens up the body to, to not only diagnose but also to, to heal, to cure, right? And when we hear the word of God, uh, you know, when you go to the doctor, how many times do you go a year? Probably once a year at least. That's a different... Uh, I'm still working on that. I'm still working on finding one. I have one. Thank you, Kara. Your reference was great. Uh, but um, I'm not the normal person. I'm actually foolish when it comes... I should not be doing that. I mean, I should be doing... I should be going when I shouldn't, when I'm not. But the point is, what is it about the doctor when we talk about the scalpel? Um, you know, I think for all of us, when we, when we are sick, well, for most of us, <laughs> for most of us, we're very, we're very quick, aren't we, with the doctor's visits? Well, sometimes. I'm not, a, sometimes we're stubborn, right? Is that just me? I don't know. But we're very quick to be ready to go on that visit to make sure everything is okay. We take the examination. They give us the MRI, whatever it may be, because we know that there needs something to be fixed. And there with a scalpel, if there is in need of surgery, the, the doctor will go in and fix the ligaments or, or even, uh, actually, even with, like, the technology is so great now. They, like, go up into your leg. They don't even have to. It's so great. I mean, it's amazing. I know me visiting people so many times, they show me 
the medical technology that we have. But the point is the scalpel is still important. Trust me, the scalpel is still important because it cuts to the heart. Now, when we talk about the word of God, why do we need the word to cut to the heart? You know, we, we talk about Peter's uh, sermon at Pentecost, and it, it cut them to the heart. Why does the word need to, need to cut the heart? Why is that so important? That's right. So, so this in, in itself, Luke 24, we see uh, the living and active word that cuts to the heart, that shows us our, our sin. Now, why do we need to be shown our sin? We like to delude ourselves. We like to... Delude. Oh, delude. I thought you said pollute. I'm like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> poison, right? Sin is poisonous, but we're born into it. Delude. D- delude. Oh, delude, delusion, delude, not deluge, delude, <laughs> not dilute, but delude. Uh, we delude ourselves. Any, anyone else? Uh, what is up with our flesh in the sense of our old Adam, our nature? We don't think we're wrong. <laughs> we could sin. We're, we're, we think we're more like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No, we, we do. Our old Adam says, no, we're good. We don't, we're, we're, we're holy. That, that's right. And, and do we need to be shown the truth of this very reality of sin? Yeah, otherwise you never get to the poor you and realize that you can't get there on your own. Right? Jesus came and did it for you. That's the reason, main reason why you came. That's right. That's right. That's right. And, and when we talk about the crowd who says hearing the word of God is just a factual moment of of 20 minutes of a sermon that I learned more about Jesus. That, that doesn't get enough. That's, that's not enough. That's almost back to the about. They're learning something about yeah, Jesus. Yes. And, yes. And, then about me, right? Yeah. Or, or me. Yeah, exactly. Good, good. Um, and thank you, Glenn, for those words. Made my day. Seriously, made my day. No, seriously. I, sometimes I'm up at night look, looking at the ceiling like, all right, what are we teaching tomorrow? That's right. And to hear great answers is wonderful. But here we see that the word is living in the so, so the word is like that scalpel that cuts to the heart because the world, the flesh, old Adam, never goes there, right? The world, I mean, you look at the news and they're never, they, I mean, they've dis- dismissed sin altogether or they've, They've defined what sin is according to the culture. And, and for us, when we come together in this dark world, we come together in the very light of Christ to hear the living and active word. Now, this is where the Holy Spirit is working, convicting us of our sin, but also comforting us in the righteousness of Christ. See, there's a big difference because when I was my 12-year-old self, um, yeah, I'll be honest, because I was 12, year old, 12 years old once. I realized I was 41 this week at Bible study. Remember that, Dave? It was, it was a moment. I thought I was 40. I'm like, no, I'm 41. Anyway. <laughs> but my 12-year-old self was, okay, let's hear the pastor. Let's hear his words. I'll get to know more about the scriptures. I'll know more about the word of God. Um, and it was more of just like a, 
information filling time. Now, that has its place. Information is good. But at the end of the day, the word of God is living and active in a sense where Jesus says, preach repentance and forgiveness. This is what Jesus said to uh, the, the apostles. He said, preach repentance and forgiveness in my name. And, and there they would, St. Peter would, proclaiming faithfully, people were cut to the heart, and there they were sent to the for you. And, and for us too, you know, when we talk about the living and active word, this is what's happening. Because all the rest of your week, you might not uh, hear the word as much. You might be busy with teaching, with all the children, and, and with all the demands of school and work, and whatever you may be going through this day. Maybe uh, it's your busy time. Maybe this is a holiday time where you're busy, or your boss uh, might not be uh, the best. <laughs> or you're just dealing with so many different struggles in life, with relationships, with at the end of the day, spiritual attacks and, and, and anxiety and pain and affliction. This is where the scalpel comes out. You know, my brother's a doctor. My, my real brother. Wait. <laughs> As if I have a false brother, right? <laughs> Are we going there today, Dave? <laughs> um, but, I mean... Like, I mean, honestly, I, most people, unlike me, um, they would go to the doctor um, and quickly because they knew they were sick. I think with, with our faith, as we talk about the, the last Sunday of the church here, sometimes the word just goes on the back burner. And we, the great deception is, I have no need because I'm fine. Or I already know all about Jesus, so I am comfortable in my security of this life. Right? And, and that's deception. It's one Sunday and then two Sundays and then a decade. And then you're just completely blank from the word of God. Right? See, what's happening here is that when um, the great um, John Kleinig, I talked to him once, one of our great, I really admire him. He's part of the doxology program that I go to or that I went to. I've been to too many so that I kind of stop now. But he says, always address the conscience when you preach. And, and that means take out the scalpel and, and show them the truth because they need to know the truth, and that is the law and the gospel, right? This is how the word is living and active. You know, John 16, John 14, the work of the Holy Spirit, that's what the Holy Spirit does, convicts and comforts us in his righteousness. That's the constant crushing, bringing us to nothing and making us alive. This is the word of God that is living and active. It's not just some words that we say, but as we trust in the power of God's word and the work of the Holy Spirit, there we know that it guides us, it protects us. But what is happening here in the for you ultimately is what in that living active word is that this is the preaching office of for G. G. <laughs> no, I said good because in my For the Kids Friday, I was helping them spell out grace. So I remember um, in my early childhood classes that I took in high school and um, in college in my minor for education, which I never finished. So close. Um, they always taught us how to with little children, pronounce things by letter. But anyways, that's all I know. But uh, here we see that forgiveness 
And, and this is what the office is all about. The for you, it's not just this message is for you, but even more than that, that this message of the law and gospel is for you. That when you hear those words of Christ for you and the forgiveness of sins, the word of God living and active not only pierces the vision of soul and spirit, again, the soul, the essence of our being, the spirit as in uh, the spirit that is enlivened as we are spiritual beings from the natural soul to the spiritual being here by the very word of God, there the spirit is enlivened and Yes, the word discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The intentions of the heart, if we laid it out there clearly, we know that the intentions of the heart are very, well, we, we would like to think that they were always with great, great and good and gracious tidings, but um, they can be convicting. it can be very humbling, right? <laughs> you, if, if we had our hearts just displayed on a screen, that said, this is what your heart is, uh, Yes, right? And this is what the word does. It does convict us. It does tell us what we don't want to hear. I now, think, I think in contrast, too, so you, you talk about the scalpel here, and it gets right to the truth, whereas the devil would just cloud it all, right? And, and, and confuse you and take you away from that truth. That's right. That's right. Um, and again, you know, as, as Nancy would always say, um, what would she always say? Hmm. Oh, that's one of them. That's one of them. But that's not the one I was... Th- oh, no. I mean, again, this is... You know, we talk about the intentions of the heart. Um, you know, there are people, even Christians, who will say, I don't, I don't want to hear about my sin. I just, I just don't want to go there. So I, w- I want to go to church that just gives me the... The tickling ears one, yeah, or or the other one that you say something like, uh, uh, if they want to hear some message that only I don't know what you say, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, um, how how we just don't want to go there with the intentions of the heart, yeah, but yet make me feel guilty, make me feel good, don't make me feel guilty, right? Yeah, we just don't want to, we don't want to go there. But when we talk about the doctor, uh, of course, what we what are we telling the doctor? We're saying, tell me the truth. Don't say, I just need Tylenol. Like, if I need an antibiotic, tell me. I, and we're, like, attentive. We're there, you know, not me. I've, it's been a while, but uh, <laughs> we're there. You guys are there at the doctor's office, and you're like, okay, what, what does the doctor want me to do? Okay, I have this. My, my numbers are up. Oxygen levels. How do I get this better? Okay, what? How many times a day? You know, you get the medicine six, time, six times a day. Every day of the week, not six times. Every three hours, I take this pill. Everything will be better. And we're just on top of it, right? Uh, but when it comes to the word, we're like, no, I don't want to hear about my sickness. Don't, don't go there. And, and this is just interesting to me as a sinful, sinful human being, how we as sinners just, why don't we want to go there? Why, why simply we, we just don't want to go to the intentions of the heart? As, okay, good. Medical doctor, if you ever really talk to them, you'll find out there's a lot of people that don't want to know. Yeah. Okay? They don't want to know what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, particularly for somebody, for example, cancer, that's the bad word. People do not want to hear that. 
They so they'll ignore it, therefore it may go away. Well, no, it doesn't. And so if you really talk to some of these doctors, they're very careful about what they initially say, depending on reactions. Because a lot of people just don't want to know. Now, some of us would rather know and figure out how we're going to deal with it and all that kind of stuff. <coughs> and I think it's a very similar situation here. They don't want to know that they're sending yeah, no, I, and this is the thing, you know, when it comes to the Word of God, it is living and active. It does enliven us, illumine us, but it also shows us that mirror of the, of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It, it cuts deep to the places to which we dare not go, which the world dares not go either. And, and this is where the Word works. And that's why hearing the Word is so important, because at the end of the day, it's forgiveness, that by the very blood, body and blood of Jesus, there you are absolved. That's what the for you is all about. It's the words of Christ and his absolution. That by those very words as you hear it, faith comes by hearing, hearing uh, through the words of Christ. Uh, there we know that we are forgiven of our sins. See, that, that's the thing, friends. You know, the, the preached word, the word that you hear is not just about Jesus. That's not the gospel about Jesus. It's what he has done for you. That's the gospel. Right? A lot of people believe in Jesus, that he roamed the earth and he did a lot of good things. But that, that's not the gospel, right? that he was a good man and that it's an example that we live by. The gospel is the crucifixion, the death and resurrection of our Lord, the giving and shedding for the forgiveness of your sins. Uh, and this is the good news uh, where John would leap in the, his mother's womb. And that's where we leap uh, from the grave because his resurrection proves that very thing. And that for you is important because you know what you're living in. As soon as we walk out this door, we find ourselves caught up into this world. And, and, and the only remedy is who? It's the words of Christ and his promise for you. Right? Um, and, and this is why the word is so important. Um, and, and this is where the scalpel goes in, cuts open, diagnoses. But also, on the flip side, it is active in its healing. That when you hear the, 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 the words of Christ and what he has done, there what happens? You are at peace. Because there you hear the words of Christ saying that I am forgiven of my sins. That I can truly have rest in these very words. Because I can physically rest all my life, but what will always be unsettled is my sin if I don't hear the words of Christ. What always will be unsettled is my constant struggle uh, with the suffering of this life. And there when I hear this word, that's right, I am forgiven of my sins. I, all those sins, the discernings of the hearts and thoughts to the marrow of who I am, in that picture of nakedness, right? Of Adam and Eve, right? They tried to hide, but they couldn't. And that's what sin is. And there by the very word of God, he doesn't say get better. He says, I give you my son to die for you. And that's the word that we need to hear time and time again until the Lord's return. Right? That's why the living word is, uh, the word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, because it does cut to the heart, but also shows us the eternal gift of forgiveness in Christ's name. Right? So, um, so when you hear God's word, um, and as I prayerfully uh, prepare these sermons for you, um, this is always on my mind as I look at the text. Right? Um, because even when we do preach for you, sometimes in our nature, what do we say? 
Honestly, we say, well, that sounds good for everyone else in the world. But I don't know about my sin. That's just, it's just too much. I don't think God forgives me. See, the thing is, is that by his very word, he does forgive you. And that's where our great physician works. Is that he mends not, not, your, not your bodily injuries. Well, he does use doctors to do that, right? But, but for your soul, uh, for your spirit, uh, there for you, you are comforted knowing that when you do close your eyes, all is well because you are at peace, reconciled to the Father through Christ's name, all by the word that you hear. See, I always tell my kids, um, you're so blessed. Um, and they're like, why, Dad? <laughs> why are we blessed? It's because you hear this word like it's, like it's expected. Does that make sense? Like, of course. Jesus died for me. He rose for me. I'm a child of God all by his blood, of course. But there was a time in your moment in life, maybe, or maybe it's just me, where I thought I just wasn't, I wasn't a Christian. You know why I wasn't a Christian? Because I wasn't good enough. Because that's the message that I heard all about Christ all my life. It was always about Christ. What he did, now you go do it. Be a good disciple. Do the 10 steps of being a better Christian. And I realized, no, that's not me because I'm still dealing with my sin and I don't know how to reconcile that and maybe I'm just not forgiven. Again, this is the word that we need to hear. What a great gift this is. Uh, Marjorie, yes. I think it's an interesting dichotomy because there are those who when they go to the doctor, they don't really want to hear what they have to do to get better. They go to the doctor with fix me. I don't care what it is. Fix me. It's up to the doctor to fix us. And that we don't want to have to do anything. And so here with Christ, we don't have to do anything. And we're reluctant to, to ask him. And it's just, it's so interesting the way that in, in the physical world, we really kind of want everybody to take care of us and do everything for us. And we don't want to have to pay any kind of a price of monitoring anything or doing anything. And yet in our spiritual world, the very place that there is nothing we can do, we're reluctant to ask for that. Well, I, I think even in the spiritual sense, people think like they can do it. And that's a deception in itself, right? Mm-hmm. People have the capability in their own human will to actually do all these things when in fact, no, um, you're here as God works on you. That's the key to Sunday especially. Like my goal is to have no one working on Sunday, except Robert says, you, you work. I don't know if you were there last week. But I want you all to come. I know some of you teach Sunday school, and I thank the Lord that you teach Sunday school, and I know that's on your mind, and, and some of you might be doing all these other things, but I really want you guys to come to church to simply rest and receive the word of God as he works on you by this very active and living word. That's the goal, so that you may rest in just the all-encompassing gift from the law to the gospel, the scalpel of our Lord who heals you and, and mends you by his work upon the cross. And, and this, is, this is the thing. We see, man, we're taking forever on this verse. We see right here, and, and you know, it's my fault. So uh, read Isaiah 55, 11. Uh, it says right there on your handout, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So when we talk about uh, the word of God, um, 
What, is, what do you think the pastor's greatest pitfall is? What do you think the pastor's greatest pitfall is in ministry? What do you think it is? Assuming. Oh, that's such a broad question. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> the, the, greatest, <laughs> the greatest pitfall for any pastor is to think that we have the ability to fix things. Right? Like, I can convince Don. No, no, never mind. Not Don. Bad example. <laughs> I can convince Don of this gospel if I just have the most eloquent words and I can just shape it perfectly and there I know that if I just try hard enough, he will get it. Now, I, I'll tell Dane this because he's here, but as a pastor, if that's what you think it is, um, we, we will burn out quick because ineffectivity is, ineffectiveness is a big thing uh, for great discouragement. Now, we see right here in Isaiah 55, God's word goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose. That means God's wor- God is working through that very word. You might not know the fruits of that as a pastor, but what you do know is that this word is living and active, and God has a purpose for it. We're just there to distribute these means and, and preach that very word, right? Knowing that God's word actually is living and active. Right? So, for me as a pastor, again, um, that's all I can trust is the word of God as he works on you. I might not see the fruits of that in my, in my whole life in ministry, but what I do know is that God is working through that very word. And that's why we always are centered on that word, right? It's not the, it's not the pastor. It's not the personality of the pastor or not your preference about what church, whatever it may be. But it's about the proper distinction, the proper preaching of the word in the long gospel. And that's the scalpel. That's the physician that you get every single week. Right? Don't be like me and say, I don't need to go to the doctor. I could just, you know, <laughs> I don't need to go to the doctor. I'm, I'm fine. No, we, we need the doctor, especially the greatest physician, and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, who, who does point us to him as the life-giving gift of this very gospel. So, um, in your notes, but Christ's word <clears throat> from Luther uh, breaks through the wounds. Through, sorry, I, I typed too quick. But Christ's word breaks through. No, but Christ's word breaks through and wounds. It takes away every ground of trust and ascribes redemption solely to the blood of Christ. So, what is happening there in the scalpel? In that merry moment, according to Luther, uh, that God's word breaks through and wounds, right? It shows us the very ground of trust that we thought we had on this shaky ground, which we thought was so secure in our own temporal security, our own legalism, our own philosophies, our own idea of what it means to be good with God. Um, There, this word breaks all that apart and ascribes to you the redemption solely on the blood of Christ. And that's the word of God. Now, I won't belabor the point because I've already belabored it enough, but I'll belabor it even more. Um, again, is, what, you know, as, as a Christian, what is the greatest flag that we have in our hearts is, I don't need to hear the word. That should be the greatest alarm in your, in your life, that this word can wait. That should be where the flags go up 
right? Because I know you have flags just like me. Do you have flags? Imaginary flags, not real flags. <laughs> no imaginary friends, Dave. <laughs> Only real friends, all right? But imaginary flags go up. And we, say, <laughs> and we say, wait, what's going on here? What, what is really going on? Um, and, and trust me, we all go through that, right? But here we are reminded, that is why I get ready for church, get in my car, drive in the wind, and, and get here. To hear God's word, to rest in what is really happening. The words of forgiveness for you. See, we see, we see that picture of Mary and Martha. You know, you know the story of Mary and Martha, right? One's busy. You know, oh, oh Martha, oh, Martha. You know, you Trying to tend to the house, of course. You know, when someone comes over, you, you tend to the house. But then there's Mary who's sitting there quietly at the foot of Jesus, hearing his word. What does Jesus say? This is the good portion, right? And, and that's, that's, are we, who's Mary here? Raise your hand. Who's Martha? Who's Mary and Martha? That's right, right? Sorry, I know, I got you a little confused. Uh, but, but, the, but isn't that us, right? It confuses me so much because you need Martha's too. And I, I, I still struggle with that. I struggle with that one. Mar- or you, you, have your, you have your obligations. You have your... Um, yeah, you have your to-dos. You have your to-dos. Martha's tending to the things that need to be done probably in order to feed, to prepare the meal. Or to be a good host. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but not at the expense of God's word. Do you think Jesus couldn't have miraculously fed them? Well, well that's, that's exactly the point. Well, in, the, in Luke it says they were, she was distracted. But they were, that she was distracted by much. That's what it says in the scriptures. And in that distraction, that's the key. It's not that in our vocation we have a lot of things to do. I'm not saying we, don't, we fail our vocations and just get rid of them. No. It's in those vocations we can become distracted when the good portion is to hear God's word. Right? It doesn't mean that we don't have vocations, but it means we are in Christ, uh, empowered, led by him in that very word to, to live out our love and service towards the neighbor. But again, uh, when we get swayed away from the word, what happens to that vocation? What happens? It kind of disappears. Or there is, you still have that vocation, but that vocation is centered on me. Uh, not my neighbor, not on God, but on my sinful carnal flesh. Everything's dictated by, well, what did they do for me? Now I'll help them or not help them. Or, or oh, well, I'm going to do, do whatever it takes uh, to... To, to amass so much money so that when I retire, I'll have these greenhouses filled, all at the expense of pushing the word aside. Now, again, that's a great temptation for, for all of us. Well, not for me. I, I'm here on Sunday, so. <laughs> but, uh, but even for all of us, it's, it's easy to, to get distracted by the things of this world, in essence, pushing aside the word of God. And there we go on our way thinking... This life is more important, my job, and of course, I'm not saying that uh, we should neglect the daily bread that God gives to us, but when it becomes our idol, there the word also goes away.
right? So again, there is a lot of Mary Martha in us. There's a lot of too busy for the word, but yet at the same time as you're here together, the good portion of God's word, because we know in that word it is living and active. Okay, we're going to go through one more verse because it's already 11, 10, 16. And I just feel like going through one is not enough. So verse 13 real quick, if someone could read that for me. Verse 13. All right, so what does that mean? Uh, of course, yes, but what does it mean um, to give account? Can we give account for ourselves in front of God? Can I enumerate all my good works and say, God, look, I know I've done some bad things, sinful things, but I've done a lot of good things too. So doesn't that amount to something? I mean, I give account for my... What is our account? What are, what are the words that we... What are the words that are of that account? Is it of ourselves? Or as we look at our notes, what does it say right there? Who do you say that I am? Matthew sixteen fifteen. What does Peter say? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. That is your account. Nothing is hidden from God. You can hide from man. Right? You can, trust me, you can dupe and, and, and trick and put on a good face um, and deep down in your heart, just the complete opposite. But in front of God, he knows your heart, right? Nothing is, nothing is from his sight. We are naked and exposed. And there by the very word as we hear it, we have the account. And that's Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. And this is the life of a Christian. You know, I, and I say this repetitively and emphatically because what? Because again, if the word just is something that we do on Sunday to give God two hours of our time, we're, we're, we're Martha's all the time. And we're going to go on our way distracted by this world. Family to see what is really happening here. Right? So the next time you wake up in the morning on Sunday... Thank the Lord for this day. For, for today I will hear the words of Christ and for the forgiveness that he has done for me. I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. Redeemed and won for. This is, this is greater than any pill or surgery because this is of eternity to life everlasting. Your forgiveness in Christ Jesus, his death and resurrection. So remember that this day. Um, all right. Why don't we stop there? Why don't we stop there? Oh, wow. Right. Um, let us pray. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for your word. Lord, we know that your word is living and active, uh, that it discerns uh, the heart and the attentions of the heart. Lord, uh, bless us. And uh, through the call of repentance, O oh Lord, grant us your comfort, knowing full well that by your grace we are saved. Lord, in your redemption, in your death and resurrection, we live and are more than conquerors. Bless us this week, led by your word, led by your truth, as we live under your name. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.